This is a test of the Bounty Park Alert System. Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the Boundary Park Alert System podcast. This week we saw Latics pick up a point away at Crawley, a game in which I attended, and would describe as a battling display against what really was a better footballing side. To the displeasure of uh, Shez this week, Mike Fondop announced on social media that he was out injured for the season, unfortunately, and the week ended in the disappointing home defeat against Carlisle, which could have been a very different outcome, but for a poor first half penalty. However, the biggest news of the week came on Friday with the announcement of a consortium headed by Alderman Chris Lees, published plans for the club via the Oldham Times. Having made contact with Chris on Saturday, we managed to spend some time on Sunday talking to Chris in an attempt to get to know him better. So the next 80 minutes is exclusively the fruits of that conversation. We'd like to thank Chris for being so accommodating and we hope you enjoy getting to know him too. For this episode of the Boundary Park Alert System, I would very much like to welcome Chris Lees. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Good, good morning, Andy. I am absolutely wonderful. This, uh, well, it's a fine day so far. So all good. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks for uh, having me. Yeah, it's, ab- it's fabulous to to spend some time with you this morning and, ha- and have a chat to you. So it, it's be a nice, uh, easy, relaxing way to get to know you a little bit more for everybody. But uh, yesterday, right. yesterday must have been a bit of a whirlwind for you, right? I was funny. Uh, <laughs> I um, I was I felt like I was a bit of a squatter down there yesterday. I uh, listen. I'm not showing off in any way, shape, or form, but I I went in the Bentley yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> and I and I pulled up and I parked it at the front of the director's car park. <laughs> and it was funny, and uh, Alan Hardy parked up. Uh, funnily enough, and. Uh, so we had a chat. It was quite bizarre, really. And he said, come on, follow me. So anyway, I ended up in the director's box <laughs> with Alan, which was, which was great. And there's only us two there, really, you know, uh, which was odd. You know, all the Carlisle guys are here. The other guys were there. But so that was a nice experience. I thank him for that. And uh, went into the lounge afterwards. Met Tommy Wright, actually. Uh, uh, Tommy, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and a few of them there. And I left Shares and all those guys to it. I don't want to get involved. Post match media, this, that, and the other, you know. And I, uh, I met with Stephen Brown as well. Had a nice conversation with Stephen in his office over a beer, which was lovely, you know. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a nice day. Shame about the result, but hey, yeah. you know, thirteen games left. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll be fine. What, what, what did you make of the game then? Out of interest, was it? Well, I had a one of our football people on the phone giving me a blow by blow, ball by ball account of all the players on both teams. It took two hours driving back in the car. Um, and their opinions were on a two-way call, three-way call, sorry. And so that was very interesting mm. to understand from a f- technical football point of view, uh, which I'm sure she knows very well. Uh, it was a shame. We we just didn't have 
the uh, they they run at us, didn't they? They had a lot of big lads on. If you were there, you know you were there. There were a lot of big lads on. They ran at us. We gave them too much space at the end of the day. Um, but I'm sure that there's there, there is um, there are people there that could pull this round. So we we have to keep the faith, don't we? <laughs> We yeah. have to do that. You know, we, we have to we will them on. Come on, we do. You know, we've got to do it. We've got to do. We do. It. I, I I wasn't there yesterday because I'm based no. down south. But I went I went to Crawley in the week. Um, oh, I, I ran. No, I was. Uh, I watched that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I think it was a similar affair. You know, we we huffed yeah. and puffed and just just yeah. lacked a bit of quality, really. Yeah, uh, we did. And did well to get a point out of it. And yesterday, obviously. If we'd have taken that, if we'd have scored that penalty, it would have been an entirely different game, wouldn't it? Um, Indeed, it would. Giving away chances like that. Yeah, I mean, assets in football, you know, the players are assets as well. I mean, it's not just the stadium and all that that goes with it. You know, you've got to look at it from a business point of view, and you've got to look at the assets on the pitch as well, and you have to value that and understand that, and understand where the weaknesses are and what needs to be done to strengthen that. So that's all part of the process uh, that we are going through as a group, really. To, to to get that full picture of everything that needs to be done, you know. Well, let's let's go back a bit because mm-hmm. you're obviously an Oldham lad because you Aye. there is there is an Oldham accent. There. You can still hear that. You can still hear it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's good or bad. <laughs> you know. tell, tell us tell us a bit about you. So what's yeah. so what's what's your background? Where where in Oldham do you come from? You know, yep. what's your connection to the club and all that? Let's let's hear. About yeah. That. Well, I'm I'm, I'm six. You know, you know, I don't look it, of course, but I hey, you know, life marches <laughs> on. I was born in 1961. I was born in Werneth. Uh, I lived in um Valinu Road, which is just off Shaw Road End, you know. Yeah. Um, just at the end there. I went to the school on the corner there, which you probably know, which was St. Anne's School in the 60s. And my father was a uh, come out, out of the war, you know, and was a keen Ruffy, yeah, he liked the rugby, he liked the football. He had friends in the football club. I don't know the story too much. And I think it was about four or five. Um, he took me, and we walked there. I mean, kids today don't have a clue, do they? You know, we were the four year old walker taking me to the football. And it was, I think it was a night match as well, to be honest. I remember sitting on the wall at the Chatty End and just behind the goals, right? And, and it, I don't know. And it just sort of stuck in my head, you know, four or five years old. And, we used to go regularly after that and um, all the way through till I was about uh, 18, 19, which I then moved away from Oldham. Well, I actually, we lived in Rochdale for a while. When I was 10, we moved to Rochdale, but that's by the by because I still used to come back to all the games and get the bus and stuff. Um, so it's kind of in your blood, really. It's, it's, it's just something that, that grows into you, isn't it? Um, yeah. You can't get it out of your system as much as you like. So I was away overseas. Uh, I lived in Spain for quite a while. I lived in the United States. Um, and I used to come back to, uh, even when all the way in the Prem, I used to fly back. This was before EasyJet days and Ryanair, you know. Because my mum still lives in Shaw, you know. Yeah. So I'd come back for two or three days and uh, I'd still go and watch the games uh, when we're in the Premier League on the Joe, you know. In fact, I went to Joe Royal's first game and I was in the paddock on the other side. I remember he was he was in the director's box <laughs> and uh, for the first half and then he came down onto the pitch for the second half. So that's quite, quite, quite funny. Things you can remember, all these games that you can remember. Yeah, yeah. And then life kind of takes, uh, you know, I think the last 
to be honest, uh, don't kill me for this. I, I think the last game I went to really was the uh, the FA Cup replay when Mark Hughes, you know, did that back heel. That was when, 94, was it? 94, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 94. And that was it. And um, I haven't been in the UK really since then, you know, and uh, the, the club got relegated and don't call me a fair weather supporter, please. But, uh, you know, life moved on and, and the club, I just parked it up, you know, at the side of, of my life, really. Kind of looked in for results. Come on to see my mum as much as possible. She's, like I said, she's 92. She's still up there, lives on her own. Stubborn she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, we, you know, we just kept going and just looking in and looking in and looking in. My business interests take up uh, my time, you know. Um, I don't have any business interests in, in the UK, which is odd. You know, I was asked that yesterday. I'm quite open about that. My business interests in the United States. I, I was a founder of a tech company. And when I say tech company, that was sort of software and digital development in, in, in software and augmented reality and this kind of stuff. Uh, so I was a founder, co-founder of a tech company. Um, I was a, an early investor in, because of that, really, in, in um, a lot of cryptocurrency businesses, mainly in the United States. So we created like an investment group. Um, so we invested heavily into that. And yeah, bought Bitcoin back in the day you know in 2012 when it was like four four or five dollars or something like that and so i've been very very interested in this technology and very very interested in this uh, process and you know i think i've always been one of these kind of people that's been able to look a little bit into the future and and, and see where the lay of the land is you know so i've really pushed myself into that i have a secondary uh, interest in a real estate and construction business in Spain, uh, in Alicante. Um, that's going to open up quite a few doors for us as well, but that's for another day, okay? <laughs> so there's uh, there's things there, um, which I'm quite hands-off with, you know, if, if truth be told. I'm kind of more of a, a consultant in that now. And because of my family connections with my dear lady wife, etc., we have a, a, a big, um, quite a big, you know, farm, in Zimbabwe, which is agriculture. You know, we grow uh, all sorts of stuff from corn, peas, potatoes, cabbage, this, that, and the other. We've got cows. We just put in a big, we've just put a big poultry facility there now because there's a shortage of poultry for sale in Zimbabwe. That's an interesting, that might give you an insight to my thoughts on currencies as well, you know, with... Uh, yeah. things that went on in Zimbabwe in the way that we have to operate our business as well there. So that might just sort of lead to the cryptocurrency a bit more. And yeah. now we've just set up a facility in Joburg uh, for chickens as well, you know, which is, I've never been to that facility, but we've invested in that. And um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's quite interesting, really. So it would be fair to say you've got quite a diversified portfolio yeah. of business yeah. interests. Yes. <laughs> I think I think so. <laughs> put it mildly <laughs> keeps me busy and I'm not too hands-on now I suppose I could afford to be a little bit hands-off I mean you do the work at the beginning and and things just run don't they you know um but I'm very my I'll tell you what my 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 passion apart from all the athletic is the cryptocurrency space and what's going on in that space uh 
not particularly so much, you know, when we say Bitcoin, people always think of, oh, this volatile asset. Uh, Kieran Maguire alluded to that yesterday uh, on uh, GMI. I don't know if you listened to that. I, I, did, I did listen to you yesterday. Yeah. I, was, I, was quite, I was quite taken aback. He's a financial guru and he basically said he was potless. Well, I think I'm not taking any advice off him. Thank you very much. Nah. <laughs> but see, I, I listen, I mean, I'm from a, from a, funny that from a layper from a layperson's perspective. I don't have any. I'm interested by personally interested by cryptocurrency yeah. because if you look at the valuation of it, yeah. you know, if if you'd have bought if you'd have been an early investor in it, which it sounds yeah. like you might have been, you'd have been yeah, quids in by now. I don't. I'm not hide that. You know, we and, and, and people like Elon Musk. Were, were very much supportive of Bitcoin 12, 18 months or so ago, which, which really saw the price rocket um, over that time. Yeah, I, I guess if you're an economist, the, the concern would be with, without a central bank, then the volatility could mean that um, the bottom falls out of it overnight. It'll but, never happen. But it hasn't happened. That's no, it can't point. happen. It hasn't, and I'll it tell hasn't you why it can't happen. It's, the, it's a messaging system at the end of the day. That's all it is. It's like the SWIFT system. And you talk about taking Russia off the SWIFT. It's a messaging system. That's all it is. Bitcoin is a, it's an electronic messaging system. It runs on the largest digital network on the planet. That's what it does. Okay. So it's a very strong, very secure uh, asset. Now, for the first time in history, we have a situation where the protocol of the of the money, the currency, is baked into it hard. Okay, so it's baked into the, the code, essentially. Yeah. What does that mean? It means that central banks cannot debase that. It means that you can't print more money. Okay? It means that you can't print money to go to war, which the United States did that with Iraq. It was the first time I'd ever been done actually and they never told the american people don't worry guys we're going to go to a war in iraq you know and uh it cost trillions of dollars but that didn't come out of the american people's pockets there and then they borrowed it off the children's and the grandchildren's and the great-grandchildren's pockets they printed the money okay and then the americans got addicted to that we had the financial crash in 2008 when the financial system died Okay, died in 2008. Mm. Make no mistake about it. So what did they do to revive it? They pumped it full of uh, printed paper funny money. You know, the Federal Reserve is basically just typing numbers in on a screen and, and uh, buying back bonds, you know. I mean, the bond market has been on the up and up and up for 40-odd years. That's why the stock market is booming. We have uh, the COVID. Everything shuts down. What happens? The stock market goes up. Why? Because they print money. So the, mo the monetary system of the Western world has been manipulated for, I don't know if you could say nefarious ends. So what Bitcoin does, it brings us back to a, a sound money uh, a process, which means it can't be manipulated. It means the value and the protocol is baked into that. And you can't be printing it and you can't be doing that. So this is why we have inflation, because of printing. Your, your, your property has probably gone up in value, um, but it hasn't really, you know, people are buying assets because there's more and more money circulating to buy assets. Mm. So that's what fuels the rise. But it's actually the opposite effect. It's actually your money's being devalued. So <laughs> when we talk about central banks, hell's bells, we need to get away from all that. They're the ones who are causing all the problems, right? Taking this into football, if we look at football, 
and you look at the mistakes that are being made in the football industry, it's a very traditional industry. Backhanders, all sorts of funny little weird things going on in the football industry. We all know that, you know. Come on, let's not kid ourselves, right? <laughs> and so unfortunately, a lot of people are involved in football. That's the mindset that they have. That's the mentality that they have. So they'll come into a club. Look at Berry, for example. Look what happened. And the same thing happens. You know, in a way, look what's happened to Oldham Athletic with the asset stripping that's taken place around Boundary Park. Well, that's the mindset, right? Strip money, strip money, strip money. Don't give a monkeys about the fans. Don't give a monkeys about the heritage. Take what you can, build houses, move on. Basically, that's it. And that's the mindset. In, in, even in the Premiership, it's play to it's, it's pay to play to get involved with, with, with them. If you're a, a sponsor and you want to come in, you know, show us the money. You want to sit at the table, you know. £10,000 to sit at the table. I've been involved in sports sponsorship in the past with rugby, uh, with cricket and Formula One. Okay, Formula One, wow. You know, I'll never do that again. So it's all <laughs> pay to play, right? So the whole industry works in a particular way that does not benefit the likes of Oldham Athletic, the likes of Bury, the likes of Macclesfield, Stockport County, Derby County, Coventry City, and so on and so on and so on. So you've got all these owners now who are basically left holding the bag, <laughs> right? It used to be a Rolls Royce. It's, it's now some clapped out, you know, Ford Fiesta from 1992 or whatever. That, that is it. That's what you've got. So all these owners are holding the bag and just trying to find a way to get as much as they can out of it because they're going to be on the hook. Uh, so to be frank with you, you cannot come into this game anymore with that, that mindset and that philosophy. Because we're, we're in the 21st century now. We're in a different world. We're in a different paradigm. We're in a, a different financial paradigm. Everything is changing. We have countries now adopting the Bitcoin standard, namely El Salvador. We have Honduras, Guatemala that are going to be doing the same. Mexico are making laws to make this legal tender. Even Russia have been making laws uh, to make this legal tender. Turkey, because of rampant inflation. Nigeria, African countries, India. It's spreading Okay, because of the debasement of the currency and the dollar is the world's uh, uh, the petrodollar. The dollar is the reserve currency of the world. And the reason why the United States has such a great big military and a military budget is not to protect you from hordes of reds, you know, coming across Europe and murdering in your bed to defend the dollar, the dollar hegemony which is what the Roman Empire was the same. And when the Roman Empire started cutting the dinari, they started cutting it off on the corners, they devalued the currency, and the Roman Empire fell to pieces virtually overnight. Well, I would posit that the financial system of the world or the petrodollar is, 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 is rocking on its... It's quaking in its boots, it's rocking. We're feeling the benefits of that with inflation, of uh, gas and electricity prices, which are going insane right now. Fuel prices was £1.85 on the services uh, yesterday coming home. Crikey. Hmm. How can people do that? How can people afford to do this? And this is all, and this thing that's going on in, in Russia and Ukraine, as bad as it is, okay, when economies start to go bad, let's have a war. It always happens throughout history, mm. okay? So we've had COVID for two years. 
that's all gone now, isn't it? Let's look over here. Let's look over here now, right? Massive military spending, this, this. We've now got a new bogeyman. Okay, so listen, I'm trying not to get political, but I'm trying to get you to understand the thinking well, behind I, what cryptocurrency I, can give us. It gives us a way out, potentially, of yeah. this way of doing things. Well, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting hearing, hearing you just sort of, you know, chew the cud and mull it over and to, to understand where you come from on that topic. You know, like I said, as a layperson, yeah. um, I, don't, I don't know a great deal about it, but I'm, I'm potentially interested in it on the basis that you can, you can see that the rise in valuation since its inception has been astronomical. You didn't earn more money out of that than investing in anything else, including property. Over it's that, over it's that the more, more successful asset that there has ever been and 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 it averages over the last 11 years 200 percent compounding a year yeah over the last let's million percent growth. <laughs> and, and and if it will we'll come to we'll come to the sort of three-stage plan that you've that's mm -hmm. been published in the olden times um you know it, it shortly they missed well, a bit out <laughs> oh did they okay i'll be interested to know. <laughs> i suppose we're constraints but it's okay yeah, yeah, I mean, it was you know, it, it was you. it was good to read. I mean, you you talked in there about investing ten percent of the balance sheet in cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. Now, from my personal perspective, I didn't think that was overly rash. Ten percent. If you'd no, have said not. if you'd have said twenty percent, I probably wouldn't have battered an eyelid. If you'd have said eighty percent, I might have gone, "Ooh, that's a bit risky." <laughs> so my <laughs> so my so my initial reaction to ten percent was was well, I mean, it doesn't seem too dramatic a, a, a concept. We'll come to it in a minute, but ten percent ten percent of the balance sheet at the minute, ten percent of nothing is nothing. <laughs> right, correct. Yeah, <laughs> I, I perhaps should have. You know, I, I kind of look at a balance sheet. I'm very, uh, I will look at the turnover of a business really and endeavor to find a way to elicit 10% of that turnover really, or, or, or sort of the, the net effect on that turnover and, and put that in, you know. Well, um, as, as you pointed out as well in that document, it, it, the company is presently loss making, isn't it? So it appears to be. Yeah, cu cu <laughs> currently, to be. currently costs outweigh income. Right, so I don't know whether well, it appears to be until yeah. I look at it. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think well, I think if you look at if you look at the obviously the company accounts that are submitted are abridged and unaudited accounts because mm -hmm. we're we're a small company, yeah. so therefore you don't need to. But if you look at it, it it is in effect, you know, assetless and it and it makes it no is. money. Yeah. yeah, so that, that, I like that word. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, that, that's a good that's, word. That's Potless, asset loss. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is as as a, a well, Oldham Athletic two thousand four limited is. Yes. obviously the assets of Brass Bank Limited are, are something entirely different. But well, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll come. That's, to that. that's an interesting thing. Funny enough, uh, you know that there was a, there was a little omens um, when that was put into Brass Bank in two thousand four. Yeah, it was on the sixth of August, which is my birthday. How, how funny is that? Uh, is that the, is that the day that that it, that it went into? Yeah, the, the when they did it. Yeah, oh, when they funny. when they pushed it all over. Sixth of August. I, I was shocked when I read that. <laughs> well, mate, mate, hopefully that's a good omen. That's an yeah. omen, isn't it? Hopefully it's a good omen. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk, let's talk a bit bit more about you. So sure. now I wouldn't expect you to answer this question. If um, there'll be a lot of Latics fans out there who will be dreaming of a wealthy sugar daddy. <laughs> To come in and, la and, and lavish, lavish their um, their hard earned you know money on the club to make it a success. Now, I'm not going to dream of asking you of your personal wealth because that's none of my business to ask. But obviously, in the document that's been published, you, there's a consortium you've talked of, and you talk a to group. Invest 
Agreed. Consortium is a is probably not necessarily a word we would use between us. It it it, it kind of implies certain things, but I think for you know the outside world, people understand our consortium. Yeah, uh, we're a we're a very tight knit group of people that we've been together for years. You know, on on on, on various journeys between us, so we're all uh, very close. Uh, as friends, really. Yeah. I can't say as a group of friends. Sounds a bit, you know, naff. Uh, but as a, as a consortium, they all bring, you know, we, we brought in people with all the right skills in all the right, <coughs> excuse me, in all the right areas. Oh, I hope that's what we've yeah. done, you know. So just bringing in the right people with all the right skills. The financing is another, uh, another, how can I put this? Um, it's another area that yes. sits at the side of that at the moment. You know, what can I say? Sugar Daddy, there's websites for things like that, old and fans, <laughs> you know, go on, go on. I don't, I don't need to know that. But look, I've, I said in that document that we're not a charity. Okay. Yeah. We are good at building. We're the opposite of asset strippers. Okay. Yeah. What our strengths are, and I think getting this over now to the fans and supporters, is that we feel there is an opportunity to build. It can't go any worse. It's ground zero, okay? So it's all been nuked. It's all been destroyed. Poor choice of words, perhaps. Mm. It's, it's, it's ashes on the ground, right? So what we need to do is to just clear it away, bulldoze it all away, and then let's start to build on it. Um, this has got to be a profitable business. I think our ideas and our plans and the way that we would do things would ensure that the club is profitable at some point in the future. It's not a case of coming... Listen, if you were to throw... I'll I'll just pull a figure out of of my head just to illustrate it better. If I came to the club now with a a, a cheque for £5 million, for example, what's going to happen? There's a cheque for £5 million. Let's put some more wallpaper up on that wall. Let's let's paint this wall here. The cracks are still going to come through next year. Do you see what I mean? Oh, yeah. The building's still going to fall down. I'll come and put a new coat of paint on the ground. I'll come and do this. I'll come and do that. That's going to take half a million quid, right? We need to bring some players in. All of a sudden, the people that we are dealing with, oh, these guys are loaded. The price doubles, right? So we end up wasting money. This is how it works in football. So we end up wasting money throwing money away, putting it in the, the pockets of agents and, and, and this kind of thing. And let me tell you, five million quid is just not going to cut it anymore, even, even in, uh, you know, League Two. So if you start sort of putting figures out there, it's just nonsensical. It could be 10 million. It could be just well, who cares. Well, I, I think, I, think I, 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 I agree with that sentiment. So I guess the, the, another way of framing the same question. So in, in the document, you talked about 85 million US dollars, I think. You could argue, is that wise to put that in market because therefore Mr. Lemsergam, for instance, or Mr. Blitz, who own the limited companies that you have an interest in, will harden their resolve because they think you've got access to a lot of money. And that's a fair point. Well, I do, but it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, they're they're businessmen, right? You can only buy what it's worth. You know, we know yeah. what the, the we know what the assets are. We, I know exactly what those assets are worth. I'm not 
I know exactly what they were, right? Yeah. yeah. So we are happy to pay what it's worth. Yeah. With maybe a little bit of topping on the top. But we are happy to do that. Okay. Yeah. We know what the football club is worth. We are happy to do that, you yeah. know. And and what are they gonna do? They're gonna end up with a club that goes out of business, okay, and get expelled from the league. And if that happens, it's over. Boundary Park, there's plenty of permission for 640 houses on Boundary Park. There is. I think I think that runs over the former Little Wembley and behind yeah, it does. Rochdale Road End. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. So, but if that goes, yeah, that's it. You know, forget the. It's, it's over. You know, the club's done. You know, and you can forget Boundary Park. Yeah, that 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 that'll get sold off for that. Do they want to be the guys that put the club into the in, into the fire? I don't think they do, to be honest. I don't mm. think they want to do that. I think that they've done very well out of it. Um, and there comes a point where, as business people, they're going to have to look at it and see which is the best road forward. If they want to crash and burn the club, I can't stop them doing that, can I? No, 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 no. I, but you know, I can't. and, and, and that would be sad for all of us because I'm a fan, so I don't want to do that. You, you can't. You, you you can't imagine. I mean, for me, if Mister Lemsigan crash and burns his, burns the club, he gets nothing back for it. Oh. Whereas. If, There's nothing there anyway, is there? Well, exactly. It's, 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 you know, you, you've said you've, you've got your valuation and I, I would, you know, I was sort of nodding sagely. I, I don't think the club's worth very much at all, you know. Um, and the land, I think, is worth less than Mr Blitz values it at, personally. But, 100%. I yeah. Um, I know exactly what it's worth. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not surprised. I think Mr Blitz has more to gain about the club going yeah. under than Mr Lemsigam yeah. does for obvious reasons. So, 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 so that's just... the thing, you know, that's that's where we, we, we're very happy. And, you know, I think next week there'll hopefully be some, I hate that word, hopefully, but there should be some, look, things are happening. So there will be contacts made and there, there, there's a proposal going to be sent in to those guys. And, uh, and then there's a document that we can discuss, you know, and, and, and that's how we have to do this. So, yeah, so, so, just, so just to go back to the financing, without you without you telling me things that you obviously can't at the minute for obvious reasons, mm. that the $85 million, it's not like the group slash consortium's personal wealth that's being put in. It could would, be. Could be. Could be. You never know. <laughs> you know, it could, listen, it doesn't matter where it comes from, does it? I, I guess I guess it would only matter if it was the loans. With high interest rates, that no, 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 no. <laughs> Come on, we don't, we don't work like that. We lend people money. <laughs> you know, we, we, I lend institutions Bitcoin. They pay me interest. Okay, they pay me interest. I get yield uh, on, on our crypto assets. We, we, we lend to institutions that make markets that do arbitrage trading at a very high rate of interest very high rates of interest. So, you know, look, we, we don't work in high interest. It's like having a credit card, right? That, that's, you, don't put, you don't borrow money on a credit card that a financial advice. I know it's not always easy to, to, to sort of follow that through. Uh, but I think that the financial paradigm that we work in is totally and utterly away from the fiat, the pounds, the dollar paradigm that people thinking, yeah, Andy, to say that. Look, it is a leap. I'm not. I, I do, it's a rabbit hole that we really 
need to be careful and I need to be careful that we don't go down that rabbit hole too much because it will confuse the crap out of people. Um, we, we just have to, oh, it will come out how it's all going to be done, how it's all going to be funded. The intention is not to, the club will not be loaded up with any form of ridiculous high interest, this, 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 and this, because it's not in our best interests to do that. If it's not in our best interest to do that, it's not in your best interest as supporters. You know, we live by the motto, you know, first do good, then do well. So we have to come in here and do good. And, and by loading this club up with stupid is, is, is not going to cut it with anybody. It's not going to cut it with us either. So that's, no, forget that, right? No, so no, 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 no 85 billion was a, I, I did think about this when I put it in, because I actually wrote that down. That was, I kind of pulled it out of my head a little bit. The point I'm trying to make, because I was asked, is that if you want to develop a football stadium from soup to nuts, from beginning to end, to bring this stadium into the 21st century and beyond and to have a legacy for the town, how much do you think is going to cost to do that? You know, and 85 million use about 50 million quick. It's probably not enough. I don't know. So um, that's it, the, the idea is the complete redevelopment of Boundary Park as a, as a stadium and all the facilities that we would want to put into that and the ideas that we have for doing that down there. Yeah. Okay. Ultimately would be done and that would be done on extremely low interest loans and mortgages like, like Tottenham Hotspur have done, you know, um, and, and Arsenal and all these other, they don't come with the money. You don't buy a house. People don't buy houses with a big bag of money, right? You borrow it. Interest rates are low right now. We're 1% in some cases. So you, if you borrow money at 1% and you get a 20% return on that borrowed money, that's what business is all about. That's what you do. There's tons of money out there for the right project. There's, there's, there's billions and billions and billions out there looking for a home, you know? So if you have the right project with the right ideas, with the right uh, upside, okay, and potential uh, earnings, then then it, it really isn't a problem, you know, to, to fund that and to, and, and, and to take that forward. So... Just to okay. understand business a little bit, that, that, there's a lot of money games here. That's how it works. I guess the obvious question was, is that 85 million all loans? You've answered some of it might be, some of it, you know, you, you've obviously got assets and wealth amongst that um, consortium to be able yeah. to put forward. And that, and that's, I guess that's, that's exciting for supporters to hear potentially because um, that that could be the thing that gives the, the club a springboard to, to future success. So well, it, it, it won't do it with that. You see, that's the problem. You know, we, when I, it was, I kind of looked at this before, you know, as I started on this journey, really, I don't know, I, I was having sleepless night. I was looking in at the club and I'm looking at what's going on and I kind of re rekindled my passion. I think the Harrogate game, I watched it, you know, and I was like, because I've had a knee operation uh, at the end of last year. It's not gone too well. You know, I'm, I limp a little bit now. I had a knee replacement because uh, of my old footballing escapades. <laughs> I actually, I, I was a kid there, you know, like 14, 15, I played in a little kid's team at Oldham, you know. Yeah. And then I, I twisted my knee and had the cartilages out when I was 15, 16. So I've suffered with my knee all my life, really. So that club owes me one, <laughs> you know, with my injury. And now I've had this knee replacement. It's just a mess, really, you know. So I've had a, I've had a lot of recovery times. So I've been at home. I've been travelling around. I've been at home and 
what you're doing on on the internet and watching stuff and 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 uh this kind of germ this idea just started to develop really and just i came up visited you know try and visit my mum as much as i can and i look at the town and i remember it as a kid it used to be a very buzzing place all them you know it was a very vibrant town um it isn't anymore mm. and then I'll tell you what, I went to Reading the other week. I, don't ask me why. I didn't go to the match. I had, I had to meet, I had a meeting, right? And the Majeski Stadium, just to come off the motorway. Yeah. Reading was a, excuse uh, all people in Reading, but I, I think they'll probably agree with me. 20, 30 years ago, Reading was a bit of a toilet, you know? Mm. And, um, you know, he built that and it changed everything. Mm. And then we had all, and you come off the motorway now and go to Reading, it's buzzing. I mean, the buildings, there's companies, there's huge industrial parks been built there. You've got the green park there. And then you go down into the town and it's company, company, business, business, houses, houses, apartments, this. Wow. I mean, I, I was shocked, yeah. you know. And the reason it's like that, well, the stadium was there. It gave it a focal point and it's proximity to London, you know, yeah, it's close yeah, by. Yeah. So let's look at Manchester. Manchester's growing second to London. Yeah. You know, you go through Manchester now. I remember as a kid going to Manchester in the 60s, nobody wanted to go there. You mm. know. But what was the uh, thing that did for Manchester? Really, Man United and the success of Man United enabled the redevelopment down at Salford Keys. You know, that's that's what enabled that. Um, and even at the other side, Eastlands, you know, in Manchester City and the development of the sports, well, the Commonwealth Games actually. Uh, was the uh, was the precursor to that? You know that 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 kind of rebuilding of Manchester, really. You know the Olympic bid in was it in the eighties? I think it was nineties, eighties, nineties. So that was the precursor. You know, it was all hanging on sports facilities, the velodrome, this, that, and the other. So Manchester now is a is a place you want to go to. It's a place that young professionals are moving to. It's a place that's buzzing. It's 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 brilliant down in Manchester now, and it's continuing to grow. So eight miles from city centre, there's this little place called Oldham, right? This little place that's kind of a typical northern town that's lost its way a little bit over the years. So what's to say that there can't be some massive redevelopment taking place in Oldham? And the way, and I would love that because the way that will happen, if we can invigorate that by keeping that football club alive and doing something with that and building a sporting facility and a destination that people want to come to, then what will happen, it will spread out. People will take notice. People will reach out to us. People will want to come. They will want to be part of that, okay? So it then brings employment into the town. It then brings companies into the town. Now, I'm talking to some big American companies uh, as partners, bringing them in as partners into the club, as, as, as sponsorship partners or whatever. Blue chips, these, Okay. Not necessarily household names, but they want to be, and they will be household names, that want to have a part of this, okay? And I'm saying to them already, look, you know, what about opening up? You can use the facilities at Boundary Park. Come in, use them. And then let's look at it, and let's do a little bit of development around here. Let's build something. Take an office. You're this close to Manchester. You're eight miles from Manchester. Everybody wants to be in Manchester. Use Oldham as a base. So the idea that is, is, is kind of bigger than just a football club in many ways, and I hope this doesn't sound grand, but I do see the opportunity to, to reinvigorate the town. Because 
if Oldham doesn't do it, Bury will do it. Maybe they won't. Or, or Stockport. Or, you know, on the other side, Rushholm and, 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 and on the other side going out into Liverpool. So somewhere along the line, there will be overspill out of Manchester. There has to be, you know, yeah. because that's what's happened with London, okay? Mm-hmm. Because of the population growth. Yeah. So where's that overspill going to come? So we have to make it so it's attractive to come on our side. Yeah. We don't want it to go to Rochdale. We don't, we don't want it to go to Bury and Haywood, Topport and Iceland. We want to come and hold them. So by doing this with the stadium, which is a tremendous amount of upside for the town and the community as a whole, really. you know. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of the idea. So that... The, the football and they said soccer. Sorry, the football <laughs> club <laughs> would have a, a a new lease of life into the, the you know with 20, 20 you know twenty six years into its second century, aren't we? You know eighteen ninety six whatever. So we're twenty six years into Oldham's second century. So let's take Oldham into its second century and let it be a leader in its second century, mm. okay? Rather than some kind of also around follower. So that's the bigger picture. That's the bigger idea. And yeah. I think with the contacts that I have and the people that I know and work with and have worked with in the past, evangelizing this to people yeah. and putting this vision over to people has sparked the imagination, you know? I mean, and, it, and that's what I'm trying to do. And if it, look, if we want to get halfway there, it's not bad, is it? No, no. I, I, you know, I mean, I can't. I cannot fault the ambition of that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's but there's more, no other way, Andy, because oh, you don't do it. It's more ambition. It. It's more ambition than any 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 previous owners have showed. Uh, you know, potential owners have showed. So I, you know, I can't. So that's what I'm saying. What's the use of coming in with five million quid and painting the wall? Because yeah. in a year's time, two years' time, nothing. It could be the same. Yeah. And then somebody else might come on with five million quid or four million quid, yeah. and then they'll repaint the stand, and it'll be the same. Yeah, and 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 it, it, this is how it's been since Ian Stott sold the club, really. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's the same old, same old pattern that's yeah. emerging that emerges in all these clubs. And the only way you're going to arrest that, this is why I've said, if there is anybody else interested in buying the club, come and talk with us. Let's find out where the added value is together. So let so yes. let's so let's just talk briefly about so you I, I heard I heard in your interview the other day you've reached out to Adam Morley of Brandsmiths and and Adam uh, and Mr Lemsingham's team and you hadn't heard back from them no. which is disappointing to hear ha, have you surprised. have you have you contacted Simon Blitz yet that my acquisitions team are dealing with that okay so and I have can't you speak spoke... for them but that's going to be taking place this next week yeah so so in so okay so in terms of other sort of players. There is what's colloquially known as the fan-led group. So there's a group of yeah. people that own the Oldham Event Centre Limited and, and yeah. Glow Gym. Have you spoken to them? No, no, only there's fans at the moment. I mean, the, all these things have got to be shaken out, really, and we've got to accommodate a lot of things, you know. Um, I think what really, to be honest, what, we've got to get the go-aheads from the, the major players yeah, the, the ground is the key to this. You know, the stadium is the key to this, really. Yeah. So we've, we've got to get assurances on that. And we've got to get assurances on the club. All this other stuff, right, we will be extremely accommodating and bring people into this group, you know. Yeah. So there's nothing that we want to do to upset anybody or offend anybody. Yeah. But talking to people like that is great. I, you know, please 
phone me up. You've got my number. You can pass that on. I'm happy to talk to anybody. But what are we going to talk about? Yeah, because there's nothing to talk about until this takes place. No, so. you, you're right. You I, guess, I guess I guess the reason I raised the fan-led group specifically is they, in 2019, stated their intention to try to buy the ground from Simon Blitz. That, but that they, they, how, how are they going to do that? With well, respect, it, guys, you know, I mean, let's be real. Let, let, let's, let's, let's get the emotion, yeah. football, let's get the emotion out of all this yeah. and let's get real about the business of all this and let and i've you know i speak to uh, the the foundation and they've got a seat on the board and they'll continue to have a seat on the board we'll give them shares in this business that's fine you know um we want to be fan led we we want that that's very 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 important yeah okay so you know all these groups you know how with the greatest of respect are they going to buy the the ground yeah i'm not being horrible or disrespectful please i'm not yeah so we can uh, do that so let's work together you know yeah let's work together okay i it's that's that's i think that's a i think that's a good message probably leave it leave it there because those are the so you've said your team is going to try and contact blitz next week we've heard that morally and lemsagam have so far given you the blank which presumably is why you've gone public yeah yeah which you said and a fan-led group. Okay, fair enough. So in, in terms of once the news broke last week of, you know, your three-stage plan that was published in the Olden Times, there was a lot of activity on social media. <laughs> a lot of positive people getting excited, which was great. But I, because of the podcast, we have we obviously were, were, were on social media quite a lot between us and we, we've sort of followed it a bit. We noticed uh, a gentleman by the name of Lee Payne immediately retweeting the story saying what yeah yeah he's a good friend of mine Lee. yeah yeah he's, he's, I'm, I'm, I'm not hiding Lee. Lee Lee's a, a trusted advisor on the football side of the business yeah lives in Marbella uh he used to play for Newcastle United um he, he struggled with a lot of injuries he ended up at Reading uh he started off at Bedford actually well with Barry Fry oh yeah uh yeah so he knows he knows everybody he's he's a been in the business for 35 years. He's a very astute individual. He has, uh, does a lot of work in South America with Brazilian players and stuff. He knows everybody in the game. And uh, he's been one of my trusted advisors on, uh, on, on the playing side of things. So Lee, Lee is, uh, um, uh, yeah, part of our gang. No problem there. I'm, I'm very happy to talk about Lee. Well, he 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 was obviously he, on social media. He he retweeted the story. Yeah, so yeah, he's not that. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. I tell you another account we 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 noticed as well that was retweeting what appeared to be your LinkedIn profile. Oh yeah, that one. That's a funny one, isn't it? Yeah. At, at strange at, that one. Yo, eh? At yo to Chris. Yeah, yeah, funny that. Man. But with a K. Yeah. Anything to yeah. do with you? Maybe. <laughs> What you got to realise is this, right? I have a very low profile in life. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I should share this story with you, but I will. There okay. was a, there was a, I had a problem, oh God, about eight years ago. I used to have a very high profile on um, Facebook and Twitter and all this stuff because of the tech company in the US. Yeah. And I do know a lot of people in the music industry for whatever reason, you know, 
and uh, so there was always pictures of me at my home and this that and the other and it was, it was all a little bit you know I, I, looking back probably not the right thing to have done you know and uh there was a there was an incident of um an attempt at sort of blackmail and extortion and a, and, a, and a bit of a plot to kidnap my oldest daughter Jesus i'll just Christ. put that out there so anyway that was resolved and it, it was fine and it was a lesson learned and as of that time my public profile on the internet disappeared okay as you can understand I'll, i will be honest about that completely and this was a thing for me again, and it's, it's, it's uh, God, you know, do I really want to, I didn't want to be the face of this. I'll, I'll be frank with you. But I think, you know, I, I don't think that'll ever happen again. I, I don't, because everything that might, you know, I'm very private about everything. So, so I have to keep my eye on things, shall yeah. we say. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Well, I I'm, have to have a way to... See what's going on. Let's just okay. say that, all right? All right, yeah, I mean... That, Maybe that account might go. I might actually put a, a, an official Twitter, and I think I probably should actually now, you know, and that, that account may not be there anymore much longer. So uh, well, it, it was, let's I, see. I, I only noticed it because it was linked, because it was sending your LinkedIn. Yeah, and funny how it, things happen. Isn't it? If, you, if you look at your... If you look at your... I think you've already said, to be fair to you, that your your business interests in the UK are limited because it's mainly yes. international. Yes. It's interesting. So if, you, if, you, if I followed that... So what I did is followed that to the LinkedIn profile. Is the is the tech company you re- refer to, is that called Yotamo? It was Yotamo, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, it, and it, 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 we set that up as Yotamo. It, it, it morphed into other things. It was uh, software and augmented reality development from 2012. Yeah, um, we were a disparate bunch back then, and uh, we we had all these ideas. So that yeah, that was Yotamo. That 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 was where we were. And, and, and there's then, another one called Yota Crypto. No, that's just BS. That's just something that uh, you know I was putting out there years ago. There's there's okay. nothing there. That's okay. not. Uh, that was a bit of an in joke actually <laughs> between the, you know LinkedIn's BS in it. You know, so that was a little bit of a. A nothingness. It was a bit of an in joke because I was the crypto guy, you know. So that was uh, that was that. So the, so the so the Yota Mo business was was actually incorporated in the UK, but but I think in two thousand. No, it didn't. We, we we did that because we did sponsorship here. Okay. It was incorporated in uh, in the state of Michigan. Right. Okay. Okay. So it was just because uh, because of me, I was the only Brit involved in that group, you know. Yeah. So I was traveling back here, so we we didn't. We set it up here as well, but never, never really did anything with it over here. You know? Yeah. And then it kind of split off into another group. It got a little bit, there was a lot of odd things went on in there. Um, I know there was a kind of a group over here that, and, and and they kind of took that bit over and renamed it something else. And I, I pulled out of it, you know, to concentrate on my other things, right. really. I didn't want to get sort of locked into that. But. Well, and, and I noticed that it, it didn't, obviously didn't. It no, didn't no. Last, but it, it was, I think it was dissolved two years Yeah, later. it was dissolved because yeah. it, it eventually had different owners. I'd, 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 I think, I, I can't remember if I registered that. Uh, I think I saw, I saw a net, I saw a name, um, which I won't read out, but I think it, it, it had your, your surname on the, on the um, officers of the business. Yeah, yeah, I could well have done. 
So I assumed it was a relation. Another guy with a net, his first name began with R. Okay. I think, um, I think the name I saw began with J. Not on Yotamo. And I haven't lived here up until a couple of years ago. I have a house in Northern Ireland. <laughs> Got one there as well. Well, here's, 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 here's a question for you. So let's, let's sort of carry on. Here's a question for you. So when you, you left Oldham in the 80s, mm. and then you've not, really yeah. been, you're not, you've not really been back till, you know, recent years. Did you stand as, were you a Liberal Democrat councillor at one stage? Yeah, in Bristol, yeah. Were yeah. you? In, in South Gloss, yeah, yeah. But what happened there? What, That's what, a great what, story, actually. What, 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 what years was that then? 2003 to 2007. And did you, did you defect and stand yes. to be a it, UKIP? UKIP? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think you, you stood at the 2005 general election. I did, in 2010. And 2010 But well. I was in America then. I, I shouldn't have been doing that. It was naughty, that, because they asked me to do it again in 2010. Right. Right. And I said I didn't want to do it. Let me tell you the story. Be careful with it. It's fine. I'm not hiding it. I came, I was in Spain before that. And I came back from Spain. And uh, I met, I came to Bradley Stoke in in South Gloss. And there was a show, they didn't have anybody. And it's a mate of mine, somebody I knew who's called John Willie. What was he called? John, John, yeah, John Williams. No, uh, I was going to say John Willie Lees then. (laughs) No, no, John Williams. John Williams, John... John Williams, doesn't matter. Yeah, probably. So anyway, it's on there. A guy called Keith Cranny, who I know quite well, and he said, "Oh, come on, have a go at this, have a go at this." I'm not a politician, right? I'm not. And uh, Lib Dems, who cares? Not yeah, I'll do it. And I got Alexis, didn't I? I defected to UK because I hate the EU. I wanted to cause trouble. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. What's the word I'm looking for? I'm a, I'm a disruptor. Okay. So I, I played the game, really, for four years. because I lived in Bradley Stoke, and I wanted to try and change things. So I lived in Bradley Stoke and did this. So it, it's a part of life that hey, it was a bit of fun. I pissed a lot of people off. Um, I did it for four years. I, I, I was asked to stand, I think, on my, link, on my LinkedIn, I think, somewhere. It might be on LinkedIn. But I used to cause a lot of problems. So, and then I, I jumped it because I'm not, uh, I realised that politics is a game of fools. And then um, after that, I went back to the US. <laughs> I was in the US, so it was a bit naughty. But after I left, I stood in 2005 in the Blair thing. And then I did the 2000, which I didn't do anything in the 2010. Because I was, I wasn't, it was just a, what you call a paper candidate. Yeah. So I said, it was a guy called Steve Crowther. He gets it says, Oh, can we put you? I said, I don't want to do it. He said, It doesn't matter. You're not going to win. I said, I know that. So it's a it's a paper candidate thing. So that's what that's basically what that was. You know? Fair enough. But at least I did it, you know. Yeah. It's a bit of fun that because it was, <laughs> you know, a way to talk to me. But I realized that politics is bullshit, to be fair. I'm not I'm not interested in that game, you know. But I'm 60, so you're bound to do stuff in life, aren't you? Well, you did that a long time ago, yeah. I mean, yeah, a long time. What's ago. that? That's like twenty uh, years ago, fifteen years ago, isn't it? Or ten years ago? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Twelve years ago, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, uh, so 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 yeah. I mean, I have to say, like you know, you've got you know real business, real diversified business interest, mm-hmm. and, and an, an incredibly interesting past and history for sure. The so obviously you've got big connections to Marbella then because you've got 
Is that, well, is, is, I wouldn't that, is say that, that, that where the Spanish I mean, property business is? It's in Alicante. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I lived in Marbella. Well, I didn't live in Marbella. I lived outside of Marbella. I mean, I went there in the early 80s, actually. Uh, okay. To Benel Marina. That's that's. I started off there and kind of moved along a little bit and uh, various degrees of interest, and came back and went back and came back and went back and went to America. I don't have any business interest down on the Costa del Sol. Uh, I haven't been down there for. Lee just happens to be on the Costa del Sol, funnily enough. Right. Um, and I knew a lot of. I won't name them, but there's a lot of old footballers and. Uh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> Football people down there. And, uh, you know, we used to go down to Puerto Cabapino and places like that. And I knew a lot of the footballers down there at that time. Yeah. Um, so it just happens that Lee's down there. It's not, not anything. I wouldn't read anything into that. You know, there's, there's no there's no business interests on the Costa del Sol whatsoever. I don't own any property down on the Costa del Sol. I don't have any any, any reason to go there other than have a holiday. I used to. I used to have a... Can you see? Can you see that? This is that you there? Yeah, it is yeah. I, that's fine. You know, I knew that had come out. Well, so well. Do you want to tell us about it then? Because because I do. Yeah, absolutely. I have nothing to hide. Yeah, this is. Uh, I knew that had come out. We was down on the. I told you we was down on the Costa del Sol. I had a business called Town and Country Property Services. So yeah. We set up a property company. We became the king of the rental industry down there. Okay, so what happened was this. I had an office in um, Fuencarola called Town and Country Property Services. I had an office in Torremolinas called yeah. Town and Country Property Services. And I had an office in Benel Marina. People who go to Benel Marina, there's um, a block, there's the, um, the, the, the Gaminol complex, it's called. And there's one called the Minerva. So we had the big office there under the Minerva. And it was me and another couple of gentlemen, all above board, all proper. And we built the business up, uh, a real estate company. So this particular day, I'd, uh, I was down in, uh, we'd moved down to Las Chapas towards Marbella. Okay. So what happened was this. I had a phone call. <laughs> I did have a phone at that time in my house, and uh, it was the police. It was a Grupo Udeco, which is um, the organised crime squad in Spain. Okay, and they phoned me up and said, "You are uh, town and country property services. We found your business cards yeah. in a property in uh, it's a place called Carib Player." And what we want to do is uh, we want to have a chat with you because we've had it under observation and we, there's, there's, we've recovered a substantial haul of cannabis resin. Okay. Christ. So, so bloody hell. Jesus Christ, you know. So I said, yeah, sure. What do you want to do? So um, I said, I'll tell you what. This, I think it was about half past six at night because they worked till eight o'clock, you know, in, in Southern Spain. So I said, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll come along and um, I'll go to the office and I'll get the files. So I said, I'm like, writing it down. Where is it? You know, 38 Kareem Place. Rings a bell. And, but, you know, we rented a lot of properties. I mean, tons and tons and tons of properties. Yeah. So I get to the file the following day and I said to the rest of the lads, up there, I said, crikey, you know, there's a bit of something going on here. Well, you know, all right. Okay. So we used to keep all the documentation in the safe, you know, 
So they used to come, when people rented something, you never used to put the deposits in the bank. We used to keep it in a safe, okay? Yeah. I remember the owners of that property were Dutch. I never met them, but they'd come in and offered the property for rental, okay? So I get the, there's a copy of a passport. There's a, a name on there called William Baird. It was a Scottish fella, okay? I didn't do it. I, I don't know. Somebody in the office had rented it out. So we, we found the file. There was a deposit. There's a photocopy of a passport. And we used to do like, it was a three-month rental contract. So we had a copy of a three-month rental contract, which is obviously what I thought they wanted, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> I, went to, I went to Marbella on my scooter, right, armed with my file, trying to be a good citizen. And I am very anti all this stuff. Believe me, I am. Yeah, yeah. So we turn up and uh, very nice person behind the desk. Oh, yes, yes, hi, I come through. And there's like, it's always the way, isn't it, in the police station. There's a corridor, you know. So they asked me to sort of come down the corridor and come on, come on. And he's smiling at me, you know, this, this, this guy, plain clothes guy. And then I walks down. I got my crash helmet under my arm, my file under my other arm, and I walks down. As soon as I walk around the corner, boom, I got a smack in the face. Totally right. unexpected. Really? I've still got a bus nose there. And uh, I didn't know what was going on. You know, you're just like, what the hell is going on? What is all this? So you spent a year on remand. Yeah. So let me tell you what happened. So they said, they just threw these Polaroid photographs. I was, oh, oh I'll never forget it. And they said, we've got something of yours. That's what they said. We've got something of yours. And I was like, oh, what, what, what do you mean? And there were these bags of, I don't know, Hessian sacks in, the, in this garage. <laughs> what the hell is this? You know, these, these are yours. These are yours. I said, what? What? I said, I'm just an agent. What do you mean? We're just coming down to, to I'll come to help you. For the hell, Christ, man. You know, what's all this about? What's going on? You know, and, uh, so what they do in spares, if people don't believe this, this was why I was very anti-EU. Huh, because right, yeah. <laughs> over there in, in, in France, Greece, Italy, Spain, this, 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 and this, the legal system is very different to here. See, here, if you are accused of doing something, they have to have evidence to put you in the picture. You can't just go around and nick people and say you're innocent and pro until proven guilty right yeah it's just the other way around though yeah, so of course you know i'm living down there you don't think about any of this you don't consider any of this you don't think about any of this and so what happened was what they do over there they throw you into jail right so what happened was i guess they kept me in oh jeez it, it was hot it was july was that 2000 2001, 2001, July. And they put me in this thing. And it was so hot. And there were some nutters in this cell next door to me in this police station. So the next day, I'm cuffed up in this van. And they take me down to Marbella. I didn't know where I was. There was blood everywhere. I'd not eaten or anything. It was a terrible thing. Christ. Totally disorientated. And I'd got a, a lawyer to help me. A guy called Antonio, and he said, and he come, oh, what's going on? What's going on? You know, the company lawyer. I said, you tell me. You know, I said, don't worry, I'll sort this out. So they take you into this room, and um, there's a guy sat behind a desk, basically, you know. And, and it's really weird how they do it. So on one side of the desk, you've got, I didn't know who this chap was, and, and my guy's on the other side. So 
we go in and he says, what's going on? What's all this? A respected businessman. He's, he's, he's a proprietor of this company and uh, he's come to help you and he's brought a file and he's a registered real estate agent and this, 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 and this. This is crazy. What's, you, you must let him out immediately, you know? The other guy, the Procurador Fiscal, turns around and says, oh, oh very serious, very serious. Uh, da, 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 da. Because of the gravity of this, uh, we, we wish to... Uh, we wish to hold uh, Mr. Lee's in preventative custody, they call it, preventivo, uh, until we look into this further. And I'm sort of, what? what? I speak Spanish, huh? What's going on here? Yeah. Me, me hablar espanol un poco. Poco, eh? Oof. So, <laughs> Antonio looks at me like this, and, I, and, I, and then this guy, the judge, says, okay, just, just go outside and we'll, we'll be with you, right? <laughs> so they put you on a thing, and I mean, I do laugh because you know it's 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 bonkers. I mean, the whole thing is bonkers, and I, and I, I can laugh about it. I'm, I'm very happy to sort of share this, you know. So um, they come out with this piece of paper with a stamp on it, and, and we're looking at this, and Antonio was like, "What?" And I'm looking at it, and it says, you know, the ju the judges agreed in this case, as it's a very serious offence. Uh, and you, you, what's going on now? So I ended up in Malaga jail. It took me a bloody hot day in the back of this thing. A couple of other nutters in there. Oh, Jesus Christ. I've never been in trouble in my life. I've never I mean, had a parking ticket, mate. I think, you know? I, I think, I think it's important to say at this point, you were, you were, you were found innocent. Yes. <laughs> I haven't done anything wrong. Yeah. What happened was, on the, I, I went on hunger strike for a while because I was getting nowhere. They did not interview me. Okay. They never lay, they're supposed to lay out a charge within seven months. Okay, they never did. I was forgotten about. I, honestly, I was just thrown under the bus by the authorities down there. So corrupt in, in, mm. on the Costa del Sol. And what happened then? I started writing letters to. Um, I wrote to Glennis Kinnock actually for right. some reason, only because I'd known her name, you know, and it found a way to her. And then I end, and then, then she passed it on to a guy called. Simon Murphy, I, I don't know, I, can't, I never met him. I don't, I don't even know what part of an MEP he was. And then Fair Trials Abroad got involved with it. And the MEP for, for Malaga, I can't remember his na name at the moment. Uh, but I'd lost everything, of course. It doesn't matter because I'd lost everything. So, on the, so anyway, events, so we got a trial through um, and, and, we, and we got that. A year on, I mean, God, you know, I lost a lot of weight. I was very fit. <laughs> and um, we went in and this guy comes up to me. He said, oh, have you got a motorbike? I said, well, I did have. You know, I said, well, you know, how did you pay for it? Said, what do you mean, how did I pay for it? I don't know. I bought the bloody thing. What do you mean? Okay, no, that's fine. Okay. So I didn't understand what this was all about. So get this. In the court... In the place, right? I insisted on having an interpreter because mm. of the legalities. Mm. Maybe things I didn't understand, so I wanted to be sure. So I'm sat there, right? And this young, it was a young lad, I'll never forget. He's a really nice lad, and he sat next to me. <laughs> I can laugh. So my lawyer gets up. Can, um, can the policeman come down and they bring the, this copper down. He's the one that hit me. He brought him down to the front and he said, can you identify 
Mistelese, right? And knows there's no word of a lie, right? He turned around and pointed at the interpreter. <laughs> I'm telling you, and I, we look, and, and the court allowed, and the judge is looking at me. It's, it's sort of, and I could see his face change, you know, and he's kind of looking at me and he's looking at this guy like this. And uh, then my lawyer said, um, well, Mr. Lees is uh, he's a bona fide real estate agent. He lives here legally. He's a resident of Spain, pays his tax. He has a contract of the arrendamiento, which is the certificate of the rental. He's, he's, he's accounted for the money. He's, he's not doing anything wrong. He's not doing this. He's running the business, basically, you know. Yeah. Uh, what, what, why did you arrest him? And this is true. You know what the policeman did? He went, I did that. So my lawyer said, no questions, no more questions. Prosecutor got and the bench turned around to the prosecutor and said, uh, have you got anything you'd like to add? And they said, no. And you just walked out? Well, they let you out at 8 o'clock at night. But so, so, so for clarity, no, you've gone into quite a lot of detail there, but for clarity, you, you were wrongly accused of something and spent one year on, on remand. I mean, that yeah. is some, you know, that's a really, really tough thing for anyone to have gone yeah. through and, and really, you know, but I'm a tough lad. So, you know, look, I, I've done a lot of, uh, over the years, I've actually spoken about this at length. I've never hidden away from it. And um, going involved in, in politics at that time, I was very angry, as you can imagine. You know, I was extremely angry by the whole affair. Yeah. Uh, for quite a number of, of years, really. And it affected my mental health. I realise that now. I didn't realise that at the time. Yeah. Um, because of the things that I'd had to put myself through and the, the physical damage that I'd done to my body and everything else. But what it did, I think it gave me a, a, a strength that I, perhaps I didn't have before. Yeah. And uh, it enabled me to sort of go out into the business world as a stronger person and take no prisoners. And since then, you know, my, my, my life has been completely different because I lost everything. So I was very hungry again, and I had to build it all back up. And I just had to be very smart about how I did things, you know, and very clear about how I did things. Funnily enough, when I when they let me out, uh, the following day, I got a plane back here, you know. And uh, But after about three weeks, I'd gone back to Spain because I, I've, not, I've never hidden from any of this, you know. And, you know, you always get some people say, oh, well, you know, you must have been doing something. Because they think of the legal system here, and that applies to the rest of the world, but it doesn't. You know, so I was very peed off. And a lot of us used to talk about that at the time. And this is the European Union, for Christ's sake. Why is this happening in the modern world where we've got these injustices? And it wasn't just me. There's so many others that have suffered uh, the same kind of fate as me. You know, people have come and go with impunity. And funnily enough, down there, the, ba the real bad lads, right, used to get out. How did that work? You know, and you used to say all the time. So that kind of... Uh, was was it was an introduction to me to uh, try and have a look into that system and try and change it. And I soon realised that the game is rigged. You know, it, you're not going to be successful. You're not going to do anything through there. I made a lot of friends in that time in, in in politics, which has helped me actually in later life. And I've kept some of those friends, which has been good. Yeah. You know, so you've got to take out of Whatever life throws at you, you've got to take what you can from yeah. it, yeah. haven't you? 
yeah, yeah, absolutely. So life has thrown I me. Mean, like I said, I'm 60 years old. You don't expect me to have been a choir boy for the last 60 years. No. no. <laughs> um, and I live in a monastery. So it doesn't no. matter. So I don't have an issue with that. It's there. I, I don't have a problem with it. It is a fact. It's a very salutary tale for anybody else out there, let me tell you. You know, people do need to be aware of how things are. Great and work. that was my reason for being against the European Union in such a way. I mean, But I, you'll I, be pleased to know I'm not political. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, look, anyway. look every, every, everyone's entitled to their own political views. And I, I've got, you know... I of don't course think, they are. I, I don't, don't have any anymore. Well, look, look, freedom look, is mine, you know. I think uh, there's, there's, there's plenty of... Uh, Plenty of people listening that probably would have voted Brexit, so I wouldn't be yeah, worried yeah. about that particularly. You know, I don't vote anymore. I, 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 I've distanced myself from the game. I'll be quite frank with you, you know, I, because it's rigged against you. You, you know, it, what happens is these politicians are very good. When elections come round, they're very good at knocking on your door. Vote for me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have it. And then as soon as the election's over and they've got in, they turn the backs on you and go back to the paymasters in industry. That's how it works, right? And they do everything that the paymasters and lobbyists want them to do. Yeah. And then this, and then it's, it's wash, rinse and repeat every four or five years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what I used to say, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. So I don't engage whatsoever in any way, shape or form in politics. I don't read the newspaper much anymore. I don't watch the telly. Um, I get my news from other sources. I don't engage in it at all. I have no interest in it. All I'm interested in is focusing on being successful in life and doing good for my family and everybody else. That's all I'm interested in doing now, you know? That's me, that's it. So all this other stuff that's designed to put you in fear and, and, and keep you energy low, I don't want to know. I'm not interested in it at all. You know, oh. so I just want to put that out there. No, that's that, yeah, that, that's on. listen, that's, that's <laughs> but I'll work with them. Yeah. That, that's fair enough. And, and you know, obviously, like you said earlier, you know, you, your UK business interests are limited, so we couldn't find too much on no, you in the UK, fine. but we had a look, and that these but, are the things that we found, so we just put them to and you. That's and that's fine by me because it's there, I don't mind that. You know, yeah. I, I'm not, uh, and, and I, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. I, it would be horrible if that came out down the line, wouldn't it? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But in terms of being a fit and proper person, of course I'm a fit and proper person, you know. Well, but, uh, well, you, 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 you were found innocent. Uh, let's, let's be clear on that. So, of course, absolutely, um, 100%. The... I, I, I have never in any way, shape or form on my children's life now, let me tell you, been involved in anything nefarious yeah. to do with anything. Like, I am so anti-drugs, You of, of all people. Yeah. It was quite ironic, really, when that happened to me because I am a, a staunch anti-drug. I don't even like taking aspirins. Hmm. So I'm very anti all this, you know. Yeah. So uh, it was it was quite ironic. But see, things happen in life that make you as as people you yeah. know i i could have chosen a path in life just to carry on living in oldham to work you know in a company to do you know and and carried on and, and and done that i could have chosen that path and i guess my highs wouldn't have been very high but i guess my lows wouldn't have been very low either you know chris I choose you, not you, to you, you've that. definitely had some highs and lows yeah and lows. <laughs> there's got to be a balance right yeah, it all yeah, has yeah. to balance out doesn't it yeah. you know so Hopefully you you have more highs. I'd like to think there's more highs than lows. When the lows come, my God, you know, they could be pretty brutal as, as what happened there. You know, it was a very brutal law. But 
learn from that experience, pick yourself up and be positive and proactive about what you're doing. So I learned a lot from that. I, I really, really did. And, and, and it's no shame. So let's listen, let's, you know, we, we've been chatting for a good, it's been, this has been a really good chat to chat to you for at length to get to know you a bit more and, and hear, you know, how passionate you are and how, you know, you and, and how ambitious you are. So we bring it back and sort of conclude yeah. with Latix. Positivity, come on. Positivity, absolutely. So, mm-hmm. so like the if we cut if we go back to the um I'll share my screen again. If we go back to the to the the business plan as is, the three stages. Yeah. You know, stage one, not to 18 months. This is the stage at which really you want to secure boundary park and its stadium. Yeah. You know, this is this is the first stage. You know, you, you've gone to some length here to talk about things that I don't think the current owners have ever talked about. So, you know, maintaining the academy mm-hmm. at, at category three, you know, using Latix legends, engaging mm-hmm. with local business, community outreach. These are the types of things that we want to hear, um, which I think are, the, you know, engaging with Oldham Council and ME, and uh, local MPs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, this, is, this is all good stuff. Stage two is the 18 months to three years where you talk about the investment. In terms of the break-even, you talk about projected operating turnover of seven to eight million per year. I think I think the cost base at the minute of the club is about two, two and a half million quid, I think. So that will be quite a significant amount. Yeah. And it has to be. Do you want to know why? Go on. League position, right? And turnover tend to match each other. Yeah. Okay. So if you want to get promoted to leave one. Yeah. All right. Your income levels and your turnover levels need to be around there. Yeah. Okay. So we're not anywhere near that right now. Hence, we are where we are. Yeah. So what we can do by adding value and bringing in partners and doing lots and lots of different things, we could see a lot of money that's left on the table right now anyway, Andy, to tell you the truth. So we'll be able to lift that up over time, you know, quite considerably. When you do that, that puts us in the opportunity to be challenging for promotion to get promoted to League One. Because you can't come in and promise we're going to get promoted to League One, right? You can't do that. You've got to have the principles of the business in place first. Yeah. You can't come in from a position of zero and say that you're going to come in and because you can't do that. Once you get there, and then you've got to bring the turnover up and up again when you're in League One. You need to be bringing that up to about double that, 10 to 15 million, which is a substantial sum. Mm. Okay, so you need to be lifting that up and building on that. So when you get to that sum, you're going to be challenging for promotion to the championship. What happens when you get to the championship? You need to be up to the 35 million mark. Okay, the average turnover in the championship. 30 odd million. So you've got to pull that. Otherwise, you can't compete. So you've got to be bringing that up to that mark. And then what happens if you challenge for the Premiership? Guess where you go then? 270 million. <laughs> so you've got to get from there. 200 million of that is football money. Yeah. But still, you've got to have a foundation in place that will allow you to get to that level and to the next level. And to that. So are we not coming in and saying, oh, uh, championship football in, in two years, three years. Oh, premiership in five years. That's nonsensical. Absolutely. You know, and if anybody says that to you, run a mile because it's not going to be like that. It's not going to work. 
Uh, so you've got to build it up gradually. Uh, absolutely. I mean, look, at this moment in time, I think every Latics fan, yourself included, uh, as a fan, all we want is stability. Um, and we don't care if we're in League Two. I mean, I'd rather be in League Two yeah. than in the non-leagues. And have some great days, you know, something yeah, to cheer yeah. about. So some security, some ambition is all we really require. And, you know, no one can knock your passion and, you know, the energy with which you, you appear to be coming at this. And, and personally, I'd like to wish you the very best of luck. I'm sure everyone who listens to this will do the same. Thank you. Um, is there anything else that you, you wanted to add that maybe I've not asked before? We- uh, no. Not really. I mean, I'm happy to come back on and give you an update, you know, yeah, yeah. see where we're going. Um, I think what I'll probably do is is put a, a an official tweet. I don't want to get bogged down in social media, you know, for me yeah. personally. Yeah. Because uh, it takes a lot of time away from the things that we should be doing, you know. Oh, believe me, I know that. So, so I, I, you know, I'll try and do what I can and, you know, be as, be as approachable as I can, but you know, I can't be doing that. I, I just cannot. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to have a personal Facebook. I'm not going to do any of this. It's it's just not what I want to do. You know. Yeah. So I'm happy to talk to you guys. I'm happy to come on the show anytime. Yeah. I mean, uh, talk to the press and do that. I'm very happy to do that. Yeah. You know? And we'll we'll keep you informed. You know, I'll, I'll message you when I know Chris, things. I'll let you know. Chris, it's been it's it's been a pleasure um, chatting to you last night and getting to know you today. Thank um, you. you. You've you've been nothing but welcoming and open, and and I really really appreciate that. Um, I think every, everyone will. Um, and yeah, the, the podcast and and our listeners, you know, you're always welcome to come on whenever you Thank want you. and talk to us. Yeah, Fant- fantastic. Thank you, Thank you very well, much. Thanks very much time. for the opportunity. It's really appreciated. You're very welcome, thanks. mate. Boundary Park Alert System is a QPod production hosted, researched and produced by Matt Dean and Andy Halliwell with additional support from Steve Shipman. You can now support the pod by donating just $2.99 per month via the link in the show notes. Visit www.oafcpodcast.co.uk for merchandise and to read our weekly blog. Don't forget you can listen to the Latix Football Phone live on Friday nights from 7 till 8 at youtube.com forward slash the Boundary Park Alert System. Last week's episode will now be up there for you to listen to. You can also support the pod by listening to us via the Fan Hub app, which you'll find in your favourite app store. Visit oldmathleticsupportersfoundation.com to make a pledge to the 1895 fund and visit pushtheboundary.co.uk to keep up to date with the work of PTB. The title music is courtesy of Manchester DJ and producer Starion. Learn more about his music at redlaserrecords.bandcamp.com and if you made it through the credits, well done and thanks for listening. See you next week.